Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. Welcome to our continuing coverage of Volume 2, issue number 5 called Death Race. Yeah, not really much of a death race in this issue. <laughs> That's an interesting title for it. Well, it's funny because that... Uh, maybe it's different, but in the trades, all the issues I have after this have no titles. I don't remember off the top of my head where the title comes in. I'll have to take a look at that in my in my copies. Yeah, that's what it says the the name of the issue is. Yeah. So it's... you know what I've been thinking about for the for our show? What? <laughs> so I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you know. I listen to like right now. The whole reason we're pre-recording this season is I'm crazy busy at work. I'm working like 60 plus hours a week. So that means I'm listening to 60 plus hours of podcasts a week. My God. And a lot of shows I will hear, they they say things like, oh, uh, we got a 15 paragraph email from someone who didn't like what we said last episode and things like that. We don't really get those. Like nobody, we're not upsetting enough people, Sean. Is my point. So oh, okay. I think it's time we just toss out a few hot takes and try to uh, try to get some response from our listeners. I'll go first. Um, Toka and Razar are cooler than Bebop and Rocksteady. That's my first hot take. You got one? Yeah, the next mutation is the definitive version of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but you don't actually believe that, though. <laughs> you didn't say I had to believe it. <laughs> Okay, I'm doing ones I believe. Oh, like you, you legit- I don't need an R-rated Ninja Turtles movie. There's I'm a hot, hot take for you. I don't need that at all. So, you got they, any more hot takes? They could team up with literally any other hero but Batman. I would love to see that. Yeah, tweet tweet your hot Ninja Turtle takes at TMNT Nerds. We'd love to hear them. Whenever the heck we end up putting this episode up, I don't know when that's going to be right now. And I mean, <laughs> even if you I don't feel know. like I always, I always hear these, I always hear these podcasts where like, oh, someone was really angry about our opinion on this and wrote us a giant email, and I'm like, we're not doing something right if we're not getting those kind of responses. Yeah, uh, I guess if you want to write us a genuine or non-genuine, even uh, angry email, go ahead. <laughs> guess it would brighten Kevin's day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to write happy emails, do those too. Just let us know what you think of the show, anything like that. Be great. So I'm, I'm back on my X-Men kick since the X-Men 97 release announcement. And, uh, you know, it, it holds up. I haven't watched it in a while, but I'm breezing through it. And I couldn't believe how many iconic stories just happened one after the other on that series. Yeah, that is it is a great series. Uh, it's I, I've never actually watched it the whole way through, though. I'll admit I did throw a few episodes on, though, after the announcement. I don't know how much we should talk about that since it's going to be such old news by the time these episodes are up. <laughs> oh, that's just what I'm up to. Just I gotcha. Watching X-Men. Uh, I mean, it's third season two. It's funny to me that th- they're out of order, like they're in episode order, but... Some of the episodes, plot elements happened after, so I don't know. It it, it wasn't all flawless, as it were, but I, I think I'm going to check the Spider-Man one out again after, all the way through. So yeah, Let's that's... get into this death race. What do you say? <laughs> 
It's just great because it's like I I guess I get what they were going for, but doesn't yeah. really work. <laughs> so, death. The chase, cover artist maybe? is AC Farley. We got a story by Jim Lawson, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks by Jason Temujin Minor, and lettering by Mary Kelleher. Colors by Mary Wooding, yeah Woodring and Jim Woodring on the original, and then Digicore Design Limited for the reprint. It came out in June of 1994. You know what that means? Time for some it means movies. Ten years of Ninja <laughs> Turtles. Yes, it is. We skipped May. We skipped it. So this is the first issue of the volume that came out late. That would have been the actual official ten year. But now we're in June. Ninja Turtle franchise is ten years old when this comic comes out. That's kind of cool. I mean, it doesn't feel like we've done a lot of ten years worth of this podcast. No, that just shows you. No. <laughs> that shows you how many delays the comic had over over the its course of being printed. If you're looking to read this one, it's on Comixology, and it is the last chapter in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Classics Volume Eight. Uh, yeah, it sure is. Closes out that volume. Let's talk about the delays for a second. So, I just wanted to bring up like. It's definitely a result of Jim Lawson having too much on his plate for this volume. I think we touched on it in a previous episode. I can't remember, but... I think Jim Lawson is the MVP of Mirage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I honestly think, like, the lack of planning, it's it's partially due to the fact that I think independent comics being popular was kind of a new thing at the time. There were independent comics before this that had sold well, but Turtles is is credited with ushering in the black and white comic boom, and they were just super popular. And I mean, keep in mind, Volume 2 started and was in stores two months after City at War ended. Which is and insane. Yeah, all the writing and all the art is being done by Jim Lawson. So I was talking to you this week where I said even yeah. Todd McFarlane, when he went over to, to help form Image, he only did a handful of the first issues by himself before he brought in guest artists and, and guest writers. I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy because if you think about I've heard artists say in modern day, like with all the digital tools they have and stuff, that it still takes like eight hours to do a page. They do like one page per workday. Yeah. So uh, I imagine Jim Lawson without like... You know, he doesn't have a digital tablet he's working on. He's actually drawing these on big, big art boards, whatever they're called. He's probably taken 10, maybe 12 hours a page. On top of that, he has to write the script. Right. So, and he doesn't even just need to write the script for the issue he's working on. He needs to write four or five scripts in advance so he knows where he's going or at least the outlines for them. Yeah. So, like, you're starting to see where all this piles up and... And his, like, what is that work week even like? You know what I mean? It's it's a miracle that it took this long five issues in to even get one delay. You know, they they should invest in a documentary about Mirage. Because yeah, it would probably they, be they blew fascinating. Up quick, and I don't understand what it is about... I do actually understand. Because modern day, you crowdfund an indie comic or you yeah. go through a, a publisher like Image or something... You have usually those artists will take a full year 
where for 12 months they write the whole story out. They'll have the whole story planned by like six months in, and then they have like a full six months to draw the first like eight issues or whatever. It's way different than what they did to to him here, where two months after City at War, he's got a new volume in stores. As we've done this volume, I'm curious what the marketing was like, because there was such a small lull between volumes. Like, no- yeah. normally, like, this would be like, I guess it's not a relaunch, but if you're continuing a thing, usually there's a longer period of time and you kind of hype it up and spread the word and everything. So it's just, again, just interesting the way they went about continuing the series. This issue released in June of 94, like we said, so I think we should take a look back at June of 1994 and look at what the world was like when this comic came out. This month in entertainment. So some movies that released back in June of 1994. We've got a big one, The Lion King. You might have heard of it. Yeah, I I think that one was pretty popular. I think it was the highest grossing film of that year. I could see that. I mean, I'm sure numbers-wise, it's not like now, but... Also that month, we had Speed. Yeah. Or as Homer Simpson called it, The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. A movie called Getting Even With Dad. Not a great movie, but yes. (laughs) I feel like that was a big blockbuster rental. That was definitely a a one that was rented a lot. I don't know anyone who saw it in the theater. City Slickers 2 also was in theaters this month. And what seems like, I've talked about this on the show before, where it seems like two different decades are kind of blurring together in the early 90s. The Lion King feels very 90s. And it's crazy that it shared theater space with, also this month, Police Academy Mission to Moscow. I thought they were done with that already. Nah, this one was June 94, my friend. Maybe that didn't get a theatrical release, but it said it was released, if it was direct to VHS, I don't know, but it was released in June of 94. May I say that I'm glad that series is still not active? Like, I Yeah, it's kind of crazy that hasn't had a reboot. Like, you'd think that the 21 Jump Street market would definitely go for a Police Academy remake. Yeah, I'm very thankful that that's just done. So let's keep it that way. And then the the music that the Peoples was listening to. All month of June, number one song was I Swear by All For One. Dominated Uh, the whole month. And I think that's a terrible thing. I think that's a shame. Why is it a shame? Because you shouldn't swear. It's impolite. So email us if you're offended. (laughs) (laughs) Video games. The Nintendo Powers. Their cover, issue 61, Donkey Kang. <laughs> uh, you know that Jeopardy meme that's actually fake, but people still keep posting it with a, the person wrote Donkey Kang? Anyway, Donkey Kong, Barrels of Game Boy Fun. And then it says Super NES Beauty and the Beast. And I love this part, okay? So it says on the cover, look inside for the hottest tip of all. See inside cover for details. So, obviously, I had to find a scan of this issue to figure out what that was. I was going to say, how could you not? On the inside cover, it's a renewal form for your Nintendo Power subscription. So, that's the hottest uh, tip of all. 
and it had a few limited time offers. So one of them was for $18, you could order an index that was basically, it told you which issue and what page number you could find any game they had talked about so far. Whoa. So it listed all the games and then the issue number and page number. They also had a sweet Mario hologram keychain for $4, which I was like, I, I'll take that. I wonder if anyone's still got that out there. I'm sure it's still $4. <laughs> I should check eBay for that. So TV events, June 1st, FX begins broadcasting. Uh, oh, FX begins broadcasting, the whole channel. I thought it was going to tell me a show. Uh, FX begins broadcasting. This was the first cable TV network to be owned by Fox. So June 1st, they launched. That's when I started June... watching all those crazy 60s and 80s shows. <laughs> and then June 17th, with all major networks providing live coverage. This was a big one. June 17th, former NFL player OJ Simpson, suspected of murdering his former wife and her acquaintance, flees from police with his friend Al Cowlings in his white Ford Bronco. The low-speed chase ends with Simpson's surrender to police at his Brentwood mansion. NBC, who was broadcasting Game 5 of the NBA Finals between New York and Houston in the meantime, periodically covers the chase via a split screen. It was a big event. I don't think that has ever happened again where a major sporting championship was simulcast with a police chase. Yeah, that's insane. The NBA Finals. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, to be fair, they didn't stop broadcasting the finals. They just split screened it, but still. No, but that's crazy. If you're wondering, it's 120 bucks if you want that keychain still. And then June 29th, I, I liked the notes I took on this one, so pay attention. <laughs> right. uh, June 29th, Models, Inc. premieres on Fox. Did you ever watch Models, Inc.? I, feel I know like I nothing did. about Models, Inc., except I remember a throwaway reference in an episode of The Simpsons. Like, I, I looked it up. It only ran for one season. It had 29 episodes. So the Simpsons were really putting a timestamp on that episode. I don't know if they realized it or not. It's the, you remember the episode where Santa's little helper falls in love and has a bunch of puppies? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and one of the puppies is looking at the TV, and Marge says, Look, he thinks he's one of the models, Inc. Like, that <laughs> show might have been canceled before that episode was finished animating. <laughs> so was Models Inc. a reality thing or No, it was a it was like, you know, Party of Five not Party of Five. Oh, uh, alright. Nine oh two one oh like it was like a drama about uh models, I models. think. Yeah, models. Yeah. But a modeling company. Models Inc. Reality TV hadn't really taken off yet, even though I think we said cops has started at this point, but and real world. Real world has started, but not much else. You know what happened with the real world that that really made reality TV in general take off? It's like season, I want to say eight, where they had that character Tech, who eventually became a VJ for MTV. Anyway, the point is, I have this memory of them like talking about how big a deal this was, where within like the first 30 seconds of being in the house, 
he took all tech took all his clothes off and jumped in the pool naked like the, it was like the first thing he did and right away producers are like okay from now on every season we need eight of that guy <laughs> and it like changed reality tv forever because if you watch the real world which i was doing on on paramount plus for a little bit the first every season before that it's not that exciting. Like, it's like the, the most they'll do is they'll be like, oh, we took a conservative person and a liberal person and we made them share a bedroom. And it's like, like you know, like that like that was the the most they did to try to prod the people for entertainment. Yeah. Then that nut job showed up and they were like, all right, we need more people who are just hungry for camera time. Uh, so, there's no so- Saturday Night Live in June. Uh, the May 14th episode was the most recent one and... It was hosted by Heather Locklear with musical guest Janet Jackson. That is a very 90s lineup. So we already talked about where this uh, this issue is available. It's available in Color Classics, not Color Classics, uh, just Classics, Volume 8. Right, because IDW has a fail-proof labeling system for older <laughs> issues of Ninja what you, Turtles. <laughs> what do you think of the cover of this bad boy? So... It reminds me of that MTV series, The Max. That's I don't. Funny. I don't remember what that one was about. I remember the head, it and was, obviously, I remember Daria. I was obsessed with Daria. It was Still like am. a superhero thing, but if for whatever reason it gave me that vibe, I like the cover, but I feel like the turtles kind of blurry. A little bit. The note I had of the cover was: I wrote, "A turtle and a mutant attack a mutant ninja turtle." In a death it's race. It's the, the, the fish mutant that left that we left off with last issue and the giant sea turtle poking his head into frame and then Leonardo's in the foreground out of focus. Just like, come on, I'll fight you. I texted this to you earlier, but I think it's funny how much easier it is to take notes for what happens in these issues. I, I just so used to complicated and there's... 800 pages of dialogue on this page and this you know i feel like that was probably a result of how much was you know how much jim lawson was doing right he was probably like all right here's the script for this for this issue um leonardo fights the two mutants from last issue all right now i'm gonna go draw that but yeah let's get into a a more complete summary but not much more complete because not much happens (laughs) nope so we we start out with leo fighting the female fish monster we get a nice full page spread at the beginning leo's feeling well, out i'm of it. still not sure if these if because they don't really pick this thread up if this mutant is supposed to be related to the mutants from that uh issue we talked about before remember we're like a dead one washed up on shore or something the reason i'm thinking it isn't is because they keep saying this is a female and in that issue she oh, yeah. was the last female of the species well maybe they were wrong what, Either what way, it's they? a very similar design. So Leo's feeling out of it because of the resin that she spit or threw. We still really aren't positive on that from the last <laughs> issue. So Leo's kind of stuck up against the wall, and then the giant, now one-eyed sea turtle smashes through the wall, which is a great image. It still makes zero sense to me. But <laughs> yeah, he's one of those big, dumb giants where you kind of feel bad for the thing. But also yeah. it's like, I mean, you it's him or me. Yeah, it's Moby Dick if you, you had a little bit more of the whale side of the story. So you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, don't do that. 
And we, we go to Mike, Mikey and Raph, who are checking out Leo's new sewer digs, which was a cool little moment. I, I like this brothers checking in on brothers thing that they do here. Mm-hmm. They, they do a really good job of the family bond, I think, in volume two. Not that they've never addressed it before, but I don't know. It, it comes out a lot better. And uh, Casey Jones shows up and they decide to wait for Leo. So they play basketball, and Casey sinks a wicked swoosha. Before some... Yeah, I didn't want to draw too <laughs> His favorite <laughs> co-star is back in this issue. So Casey and the beer in volume two. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the sound effect here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the sound effect doesn't really fit. But... So we go back to Leo, who's being... It I, fits. It's they're hearing the rumblings of the oh the rumble. Oh, I thought you meant the basketball was making that sound. <laughs> See, that's yeah, no, right here, right, right after he makes the swish, there's a giant. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I wasn't clear enough with my reading of it. Dear Ninja Turtle, bunch of D's and a bunch of N's. Then we go back to Leo, who who is in a death race. With the giant turtle? There it is. Not really, but okay. Uh, See this panel up top where he's running like full sprint and the turtle's like behind him. There should have been a dialogue balloon there that said, I got to get out of this death race. Yeah. Death, I guess death sprint doesn't have the same ring. I love this whole moment because it reminds me of like a... Godzilla movie when the monster isn't like stories tall yet and it's just like burrowing underneath the city I just love that and as you've said they have again we keep hammering this home this season but how big are the sewers in the turtle universe like they have a giant dinosaur sized turtle like just bashing through walls and like like, like, I wonder if up on the city streets, like, buildings are collapsing underneath this thing, like a giant sinkhole is forming. No, no, it's just at Leo's new pad. You can hear the rrr. <laughs> new York doesn't know anything. <laughs> uh, Leo ends up falling into this cavern, basically, of garbage. Which sounds awful. Like, that just sounds like a terrible place to be. I can't even imagine the stench. Hmm. You know, I know they live in the sewer, but I think that's pushing it even for them. And he finds this giant egg that appears to be being kept warm by the garbage. And it's the monster's egg. And the monster shows up and I thought that this sounds was like a cool sci-fi movie. Very the monster's egg. The monster's egg. Um, this was very uncharacteristic of Leo to me when he's threatening to chop the egg with the katana. I get he's trying to survive, but I just i I didn't buy he would do that. I don't think future incarnations we've got of Leo would. You're right, but I I feel like this it fits this mirage one we've had so far because I don't know. It just seems like unique to this version of him where he's not the boy scout captain america type we get later down the line okay 
So, although the turtles still have a little bit of Raphael in their personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. I can see that. So, just as he's about to make an omelet, um, his his brothers and Casey yell down. So, I, I'm under the impression they were able to easily track what the hell way Leo was going based upon, you know... <laughs> The subway tunnel size holes left by the turtle. Bigger. So he he stops himself from uh, killing the unborn monster. And then this moment I liked but confused me. So the giant turtle is suddenly tunneling like from above? He got lost. Yeah, he does have one eye. I guess that's a valid point. There's no sewer maps. So the giant turtle comes tumbling down and, and just dies. It's a very anticlimactic, like, depressing end for that turtle. <laughs> I don't know if his heart just gave out or what happened, but that that's it for the giant I turtle. I think the turtle might have fallen through. Now that I'm looking through these, like, I think it collapsed. The roof collapsed under his weight and he fell into this chamber. Because okay. there's... Sound effects that are like the roof cracking here. A bunch of... I could be wrong. Well, like I said, it, and again, I understand that Jim Lawson was kind of doing this on his own. And I'm starting to see a difference in the quality of the art. It's not bad. It does have a... I don't know if I want to say rushed or unfinished quality to it. It doesn't take away from the art at all, but it definitely isn't as strong as Lawson's style has been. I think oh, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I mean, I think it's still pretty strong in this issue. It's like, but we are in like the next two or three going to start seeing some slippage. And then this issue ends on a great image of Baxter Bot emerging from the the Hudson Bay, I assume. And has reached Yeah, like we made the reference of like Doomsday when he's on his way in. Yep. He has reached New York. Super, Death of Superman. Which makes me wonder how long he has been walking underwater. Because there was really no indication where that lab he escaped from was. His kneecap like from modern technology, I can't help but see it as like a play button because it's got that triangle oh, on it yeah, yeah, that yeah. indicates play for everything we have in modern technology but I don't think that was a thing yet I mean it was on VCRs but I don't know it's well, definitely not what they're intending but it looks maybe, like a play button maybe there's some talk boy parts in there but at, there's no indication where that lab was I like to think it was in California and he actually stubbornly walked all the way around the globe to get to New York <laughs> instead of just crossing the country because it seems like something Baxter would do. But I, he didn't again, take that left at Albuquerque. Yeah. He just seems <laughs> stubborn enough to be like, nope. He and Bugs Bunny cross paths under the ocean. <laughs> but I, I liked the issue. Again, it, it flew by. Like, I read through this like three times. And was kind of like yeah. I think, I think a few episodes ago I compared these to the Ultimate Marvel comics, like Ultimate Spider-Man and stuff. Like mm. you could read this whole volume in in one sitting. It really just there's not a lot of dialogue. It's very visual. Again, that was probably because Jim Lawson was just trying to get this thing out as quickly as he could. <laughs> but it it works. I like it. 
So I actually gave this a 4.0. Same. Yeah, wow. four out of five. It's it's very consistent, this volume. I don't think, and I will see as we go here, I don't think we ever hit a five for me, but I also don't think we ever get lower than like a 3.5. Like it just stays steady the whole way through. Yeah, I have to say for the, the amount of pressure Jim Lawson was under and the whole team really, I, I'm sure Yeah, Mary Kelleher and everyone else involved. Not um, a lot of lettering for her though. <laughs> no, no, not a lot of lettering this issue, but I, I give them so much credit for even being able to put the book out even a month late, mm-hmm. you know? And like you said, it wasn't like they had any digital options to assist them. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a really entertaining, breezy run so far. And I like that it's not, like, you understand what's going on in the plot. We're not getting bogged down by seven different things going on like we we know donnie is with splinter we know april runs the apartments now this is really the first time casey's kind of been out with just the turtles this volume and we know that the other three brothers are kind of you know carving out their own digs in the city and i love that casey is there too because he gets very i mean not to get too ahead of ourselves but he gets very sidelined at the beginning of volume three and I feel like throughout most of Volume Three, like they don't utilize him that much. So, which just great that he's there. Period is weird because to me, Casey Jones is very image comics friendly. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. But yeah, over overall, I, I thought it was a really good issue. So we would definitely recommend this issue if you're listening. So go on out, get that whole classics collection. You can get the whole volume too. It's uh, classics uh, eight, nine, and ten. And uh, you can buy them digitally and you can buy them physically. They're like per order on IDW's website. It, and you can read all of volume two. It's 13 issues. I definitely recommend the whole thing. And now for another segment, let's close out our trilogy, Sean. And the trilogy, of course, I'm talking about is we've been talking about the Game Boy Ninja Turtle games. So we made it to Ninja Turtles 3 Radical Rescue. It's, uh, you know, it's the next Turtles game on the Game Boy. After this, it's it's actually the last Turtles game on the Game Boy. Because the, the one that comes out after this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Game Boy Advance based on the 2003 cartoon. They skip the whole Game Boy Color era. Wow. It's interesting that they never did a Game Boy adaptation of, like, Manhattan Project or Tournament... Like, Tournament Fighters they should have done because they had Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter on Game Boy. They weren't good. Mikey could have been on the cover of that one, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Mikey keeps getting screwed. Yeah, that's true. The cover of the game is Leonardo smashing through the wall, and Michelangelo is the main character. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't understand the, the disdain at video game companies for focusing on him on the cover. <laughs> Especially since I feel like at the time, I think he was like the most popular turtle. That's what I mean. Like marketing wise, and he's the main character in the game. Wouldn't you throw Michelangelo on the box? Because the odds a kid's going to want to buy it probably go up substantially. So I, I took some notes here on the entire trilogy as a whole. Because uh, one thing we didn't do for the last two games we covered, I thought I'd read the box art for these games. Because you remember how that felt when you'd buy a new 
video game. Yeah. Not so much with Game Boy, because usually you could have your Game Boy in the car and be playing the game on the way home. Yeah, but, but I, for anything I still else, feel like even picking the box up and reading it as you're going to the register. Yeah, or or you know. Sometimes you don't have your Game Boy with you, and the whole ride home, you're reading that box and looking at those like three little screenshots they give you, um, and you're so excited. So I'm going to read those. Fall of the Foot Clan. It says, Who'll stop Shredder from wringing America's favorite turtlenecks? <laughs> turtlenecks. I get it. Um, <laughs> in cahoots with exiled alien Zap Master Krang. Sounds like a rapper. Zapmaster Krang. The evil Shredder has once again kidnapped the dashing damsel of the news desk, April O'Neil. To rescue this ravaging reporter, you must return to the sewers and dredge forth those reptiles with a penchant for pizza and all the nifty knife work of a chop suey chef. So they're still doing the alliteration here. That, that went away for a little bit, but we got another thing. You'll control every move of Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael as they arm themselves with head-rattling nunchucks, back-stabbing swords, and liver-lashing katana blades. Of course, this once-in-a-light-year adventure will really start rumbling the nanosecond, the nanosecond you bust into five never-before-seen levels of Manhattan mayhem, including the Traffic Jam, Waste Dump Ravine, and Technodrome Tower. Here, yeah, we've never had a Technodrome level in a Ninja Turtle game before. That's amazing. It's in every one. <laughs> the fact they go to the sewers in these games, uh, it's unheard of. Yeah. Here you'll perfect the ancient art of icing, dicing, and shuriken slicing. And you'll get the chance to wipe the smirks off the faces of all new creep show freaks like Roadkill Rodney... Shell Shocker, and that nasty villain, Filet O' Filth. So get back into your shell and start snapping away before April goes from delivering the news to singing the blues in some new cement shoes for one player only. <laughs> I thought you were going to say to delivering her eulogy. so that was the first game boy game and we talked about that a few episodes ago uh pretty good you know typical side scroller like i said i compared it to like it felt like what i always thought those tiger electronic games were gonna be (laughs) like this is like the actual version of what you think those are and then it had the sequel back from the sewers this one's a little bit shorter back of the box says Stop Shredder from zapping the world-famous sewer stars into pet store pebble pushers. Shredder's got his criminal mind back in the gutter and has joined forces with fellow hero-hater Krang to pulverize the pizza freaks once and for all. They've shanghaied newswoman of the 90s, April O'Neil, as a decoy, so the boys from below must rescue her without losing their shells. And then it's got bullet points. You know how the video game oh, yeah. things would do that? So bullet point. Two Megs memory pumps. Whoa. Oh, two Megs memory pumps up the graphics and brings your major screenage with all new ways to make chop suey out of Shredder's goons. When you walk, jump, fight, climb, and skateboard circles around them. Choose your favorite turtle before slicing it up 
in six death-defying levels through downtown sewers, abandoned buildings, subways, highways, and the Technodrome. <laughs> no! Because <laughs> of course. And more. Pizza pounding bonus rounds are your reward for bagging a barrage of nasty villains like the corrupt cops who will try to bust you in the name of the outlaw Krang. Two more bullets here. This one. Rescue levels give you the chance to spring your imprisoned pals. That was something we mentioned last week. We really like that. And then the difficulty level is up to you. So you decide just how uneasy it is being green. Put your best ninja mask and start brawling for your life. For one player. Then we really wanted to make that clear. And now on to the game we're covering this week. So uh, I don't know if I should get into it here. I'm just going to read the box and then I'll, I'll make my the point I really want to make about this game. Turtles 3 Radical Rescue. It'll take a twisted mind to untangle the turtles from their worst fiasco yet. The whole sewer crew except Michelangelo is captured in a most heinous in their what is captured in a most heinous hideout. I don't get it. Is their hideout heinous? Why were they? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you're already admitting this that Michelangelo is the only one who wasn't kidnapped and yet you put Leo on the cover. Who could be behind this travesty? Who else? Shredder has returned as Cyber Shredder, half man, half machine. And he's created this twisty, turny funhouse of turtle torture. Use turtle strategy and all new moves to help Michelangelo rescue the gang from the Cyber Shredder's forces. Now we got some bullet points. The turtles are sporting some radical new maneuvers. Call on each unique skill to overcome specific obstacles. It helps to round up your scrambled cohorts in a certain order. They're not going to tell you that order, though. Michelangelo has helicopter hang time. Leonardo dusts concrete blocks. Raphael shells through tight spots. And Donatello scales sheer walls. Fight through five rescue adventures. You'll need keen turtle sense and all the pizza power you can scarf up to make it past bats, goons, and hordes of robotic maniacs. So, I love this game. This game, I feel like, is the game that I've been asking for for a long time. It was like a hidden gem. It was right under my nose, and I never knew about it until I you know, went to talk about it for this podcast. I completely skipped over this game. And I love that all this time we've mentioned, hey... Every time you, all these turtle games are kind of the same. It's yeah. a side scrolling beat 'em up. You've got the same bosses over and over. You got Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, Shredder, uh usually a, a rock monster, usually Baxter Stockman, usually a Leatherhead. No. Yep. It's it's like the same bosses over and over. This game though is not a side scrolling beat 'em up. And I'm like, thank oh my god, this is exactly what I was looking for. It's like a Metroidvania. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, a Metroidvania is when you're given like a a big overworld, like like the the map is just one map, and like sometimes you have to backtrack because you have like new abilities now, and you can get into areas where you couldn't get into before and stuff like that. And yeah, what the box said there is is true. It's how the game is played. Is basically you start off as Michelangelo, who's got this little helicopter ability. And each time you defeat a boss, you get a key 
and you can rescue a different turtle. And when you rescue the different turtle, you now have that turtle's ability so you can get to new places on the map. Yep. This is exactly what I've been looking for from a Turtles game. It, it's completely unlike all the other side-scrolling beat-em-ups. I would say it's the best of the three Game Boy games. Yeah. A lot of it being because it's so different. And I don't know, it plays pretty well. I mean, obviously we've advanced in that genre, but I thought it held up pretty well overall. I mean, I didn't get very far in it, but I enjoyed the heck out of what I played. I've got nothing but praise for this game. I'm going to do a full playthrough, I think. Because, like, not only do I love that it's got that Metroidvania thing going on before that was even a thing. Yeah. It, I also love it's got Mega Man influence because it's got, like, the little gate that goes when you go to fight a boss. Yeah. Like, they've got, like, the Mega Man boss rooms. Oh, the bosses I should talk about. I got a list of them here. They're not the same bosses that you've seen in every Ninja Turtle game. Which we've got Scratch. Yep. What's that? It was just refreshing because. Yeah. Even going into the first boss, I'm like, all right, I'm going to guess it doesn't matter the order you do these. So this is probably Bebop or Rock City. It was not. (laughs) Yeah. You've got Scratch. So he's finally in something other than a Twitter post talking about how valuable his action figure is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You got Scratch the Cat. Uh, Dirtbag is a boss. There's a Triceraton, which is awesome because... He's on the uh, there's a Triceraton on the cover for Manhattan Project, but he's not in the game anywhere. So that was really cool. Yeah. Uh S- Scale Tail, and then they do of course end it with Shredder as the end boss, but I give him props for all the other bosses aren't ones you've seen before. They were really mixing it up here. That they they don't go to Krang, there's no Technodrome like I don't yep. know, they they really stepped it up. Like they I- put the emphasis on exploration rather than side-scrolling, hit, 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 move to the next screen, you know? And I really appreciate that change of of pace. It sounds silly, but I feel like this game explores other aspects of being a ninja that the Mm -hmm. beat-em-ups don't. Yeah, there's some stealth involved. Yeah, it's... It's a really solid game for an original Game Boy game that came out in November of 1993. I almost wonder if this game was like the original vision for the, like a first game. And because the NES game kind of got a lot of flack, they held off. Remember we read that preview from a video game magazine for that first game that that said something like, from what we've seen, it's reminiscent of Metal Gear Solid. And I was like, I never really thought of it that way. But I could see how if you were just watching gameplay footage of that first game, like the, it does kind of look like Metal Gear Solid when you're on like the overworld parts. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the backlash to the... They're not Metal Gear Solid. That's PlayStation. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. You know what I meant. The original NES Metal Gear. So I'm just wondering if the backlash of the difficulty and the way that game was, and then obviously the success of the port of the arcade game, it was just easier to stay in that beat up mold for a while. And then maybe they finally felt okay enough to try this again and go in this direction. Yeah, and it's a shame because I'm looking forward to Shredder's Revenge. It might even be out by the time this podcast drops. But, like, I, I can already tell that that's basically just going to be an updated Turtles in Time. 
and I'm ready for something new. And I, I'm going to play it. I'm going to love that I can play as like April and I'm sure Casey Jones and a bunch of other unlockable characters. I, I'd love to see something like this done again where you have a little bit of explore, exploration. Like Donatello, you can climb up the walls so you can get to areas. Uh, Leonardo does like a little drill thing with his swords so you can like break through blocks and get down into areas you wouldn't get to before. It's a really solid game where you really just want to kind of explore the whole map and, and keep playing. And it's a Ninja Turtles game, which is awesome. Like, normally for something like this, you have to play, like, a Castlevania or a Metroid or sometimes a Mega Man, like, something like that. This is great to see actual Ninja Turtle character sprites on an exploration-style game. Throwing it out there, um, Metroid Dread developers, you guys did an amazing job talk with somebody about getting the turtles ip and furthering this idea <laughs> so i i also wanted to kind of close out this trilogy here by reading well i couldn't find any contemporary reviews for fall of the foot clan but this is something i forgot to do in the others i thought i'd bring it up here i found a game pro uh score for back from the sewers which was the second game in the trilogy it, they gave it a five out of five back in december of 91 and then I looked up this one. GamePro gave Radical Rescue a 4.5 out of 5. Nintendo Power only gave this game a 3.5 out of 5, which I don't understand. Like, I feel like this is a solid 4 out of 5. Yeah. I agree with, with GamePro there. Maybe it's hindsight because we're so far removed from the Game Boy era of video games yeah. that anything that holds up, anything that can hold my attention... <laughs> Is it's like good. an automatic four out of five, you yeah. know, because like so many games back then I've gone back and played games that I loved in the Game Boy era. And I'm like, I can't play this anymore. And it's one of the only systems that's like that, because like I can play still original Nintendo games and original Super Nintendo games and stuff like that. It's the Game Boy just has a hard time holding up. Well, Radical Rescue has on the other two games, too, is you don't feel like the screen is moving around Michelangelo. Yep. Yeah, the screen moves really well. So I found a really good deal on the TMNT Game Boy Trilogy with the cases on eBay. Ooh. So someone's got all three for 110 bucks. I think that's pretty reasonable. It is. I'm looking online at a picture of the box art right now, and I forgot about this weird gray logo i guess you'd call it that they put on every game boy game it says game boy game pack and it's got yeah. like this it's like all black with like a red silhouette of a kid playing a game boy yep it's interesting so far that overall the turtles have had a pretty good run in video games and then it just kind of slams to a halt probably because they didn't know what to do with the franchise and they should have done more experimenting like this game so yeah i mean Contact us if you, you've played this one and f also feel like it's kind of the the diamond in the rough of the Game Boy trilogy. I would love to see a 16-bit like modern remake or like a just a, I would love to see somebody do like a a more updated version of this game. Something you know like how we're getting Shredder's Revenge is a, a throwback type of game. Before we, you know, end it here, the thing I found interesting as we've done these, there's no Game Gear TMNT game. I just thought that was weird because I figured they would have done even like a 
Game Gear version of Hyperstone Heist, and there, there's no Game Gear game for Turtles. I never had a Game Gear, so... You weren't missing out. <laughs> <laughs> my, no, my neighbors had one. I used to play columns on it. That's all anybody <laughs> played on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome to the last Comic Shop Podcast! A comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Yep, each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic. Sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or TV shows. Or not. Lots of times it's just comic books and sound effects. Oh, yes. Definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms to the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. And that is our show for this week. Thank everybody so much for listening. I'm so glad that these games are coming to the Cowabunga Collection. That is so awesome. We we had no idea that was going to be happening uh, at the time that we recorded these episodes. But I'm doing this little closing bit here in the future. So now I know. <laughs> and uh, that comes out at the end of August. So perfect timing for these episodes. Get into those Game Boy games if you skipped them at the time. They are really good Ninja Turtle video games. Definitely a welcome addition to the Cowabunga Collection. Like we always say, please leave us a review if you haven't done that yet. That helps new people find the show. It always helps to have fresh reviews down there when people click on the review section. They want to see that new people are listening to the show and it's not something that's gone stale. Uh, You can see all the visual things that we talked about this week. I'm going to be posting the images on our Twitter and our Instagram at TMNT Nerds. And it's the beginning of the month. So as always, I'd like to thank our Patreons. And it's crazy. We are so grateful because we've been getting more and more Patreons lately. And we started doing the bonus episodes. That's the thing that started. We're going to be doing that every week. So If you're waiting to support us on Patreon so that you would get something like that, it's there now. We have our first episode up, and for just a dollar, the lowest pledge amount you could possibly do, you will get a bonus episode from us every week. The show is called Nerd Therapy, and it's where we talk about all other nerd-related stuff that isn't Ninja Turtles. But yeah, we're so grateful for all the Patreons we've been gaining. If we get to $50 a month on our Patreon, we're going to start giving out a gift card to a random Patreon every single month. So that's the goal right now, getting our pledge amount, whatever you call it, up to $50. So please go support us there. We are, you go to patreon.com, search the Ninja Turtle Nerds, you'll find us no problem. But without further ado, I'd like to thank our Patreons. We've got Lenny Not Dead. Ian, Rob, who is actually Rob from the Turtles Forever podcast, so go check that out. It's uh, It's been kind of reformatted from Turtle Tales Radio, which we've uh, promoted on here before. They're an amazing Ninja Turtle podcast. Go check them out. We've got TMNT Hunter. Special thanks also to Luis Diaz, Alonzo Evening, Neris Corpse, Janky Zipper, and Tara Clarkson. And since Tara Clarkson pledged at the $3 or half pizza level, which other people did too, I I tried messaging you guys to get your messages on here and I didn't get anything back. So let me know if there was, if you pledged at that level and want your special message read, let me know so I can get it into the next episode or something. But yeah, so Tara pledged at the, the $3 half pizza mark, so you get a special message read 
from us every month. And this month, she wanted to use it to give a special shout out to her buddy KJ from Cheryl Comics. And he has a comic funding thing going on Kickstarter right now, which is a surprisingly affordable graphic novel series called The World My Arena. And it's about a bullied teenager named Nathan who begins to learn martial arts to defend himself. It's no Karate Kid rehash, though. It draws influence from manga, wuxia, and teen comedy, and drama to make a really... It's a fascinating story. KJ is a wonderful choreographer and artist carving out his own style. And Tara says she was lucky to work with KJ as an editor and copywriter on both volumes. KJ's also the artist who worked on Cthulhu is Hard to Spell anthology, which is something we've promoted on this podcast before. And that reminds me, I remember that, and I got to get around to reading that because I remember it looked really cool from what I saw. They also worked together on another couple of anthologies as well. He's a stellar guy and a great collaborator. She highly recommends checking out The World My Arena on Kickstarter or follow KJ at Cheryl Comics, that's C-H-I-R-A-L, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want us to read a special message like that to promote pretty much anything you want to promote, or if you get like happy birthday wishes, you want to shout out to someone or really anything that's appropriate for a family friendly podcast, we will read it on here. So send, if you want, if you want, just pledge at the $3 mark, it's the half pizza mark on our Patreon, send the message and once a month you'll get a a message read. So Easy peasy. And you'll also get those bonus episodes that I told you about. Pretty much every level, you just got to pledge at a dollar, you'll get those bonus episodes. And that is our episode for the week. Thank everybody so much for listening. That's the the bare minimum that you can do to support this podcast. And it's the biggest help, ironically enough. Just listening, which is the least amount of effort thing, is the thing that helps us the most because we need listeners to have a podcast. If you want to take it up a a notch from there, recommend it to somebody who might also enjoy this podcast. If there's any other Ninja Turtle nerds out there, you know, tell them about the podcast, bring them into the fold. So we will see you next week to tackle some more volume two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a crazy volume. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at tmntnerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at tmntnerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.